What is up, Kangaroo Chasers? On this podcast, we catch up with John Dutton, the CEO of the Rugby League World Cup 2021, for an update on all things leading up into the event next year. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 83 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Big T, happy birthday, Rugby League. Yeah, well said. So 125 years of Northern Union. She still looks amazing, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Northern Union. And now, and we coined it Rugby League. That's one of my favourite Rugby League facts. Australian. What? Tell me Australia the story. Was the one who, uh, that, that was essentially it. So it's called Northern Union in England. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Australia starts playing it in 1908 and we called it Rugby League. Both of them just as confusing as the next. Northern Union isn't isn't a great name, and Rugby League also isn't a great name because everyone just calls it Rugby and gets confused, or everyone would have just called it Union and got confused. So I've had uh, numerous conversations about this, and people contact me all the time saying, "Oh, should we change the name? Change the name?" And it's like, well, I don't know. It's too. We've gone 125 years, and you know, we just kind of just we're we're kind of stuck with it now. But I don't know. I'm happy to maybe we have a big debate about it one day with some some people a little bit smarter than than we and talk about, you know, the options and what we should do. But anyway, it's a, it's an interesting one. But happy birthday, Rugby League. Real shame we didn't see much about it on this side of the world. Like, uh, I feel like, um, I know it's funny, in Australia, we kind of act like it started in 1908, not 1895. But, you know, it's, it's a shame. But the game is 125 years old and we celebrated it, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Main, mainstream media was like that. But my uh, Twitter feed, and you know I love my Twitter feed, it was it was lit up with um with Australians and the like wishing happy birthday to rugby league. It's even in my calendar. Would you believe me? Oh really? My wife was my <laughs> wife told me two days before. Hey, no, I just got a notification. It's rugby league's birthday on Sunday. That's right, mate. Is it on your um, is it on your big T rugby league bucket list to go get a photo? You know the plaque that you see on the wall. At I the do pump? know. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what I saw a thousand times on on my Twitter feed. Uh, I wouldn't say that's on my bucket list. No, 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 no. I mean, I haven't been. I haven't been to SunCorp yet, mate. I have got a lot more things to do in this country before I get out to um do other ones in other countries. And seeing a game in Toronto is another would be a big goal. And and in um North America, Jamaica. But you know what? I did go and do as a bucket list. I went and saw where Daily Messenger grew up, which is in um yeah. which is in Sydney. There's a plaque at the front of his house. So I strongly recommend anyone who's feeling nostalgic and wants a bit of a uh, memory lane thing. Where is it? In um. I was worried you were going to say that. Double Bay? <laughs> double Bay. <laughs> double Bay, really? That is the least yeah, likely beige. place for a rugby league uh, player, I reckon, to be born. Double Bay. And while I'm chugging out the fun facts, because we all know how terrible I am with names, and, and there are a lot of people who probably think, Carbs, why do you keep this idiot on? He doesn't know anyone's name. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But here, here are the things I do remember, fam. The uh, street that he was born on yeah. was uh, in Balmain, in East Balmain, and he... Uh. Um, and at the bottom of that, his dad was a a boat maker, ferry maker, something like that, something that had to do with the wharf, but boat repairman. And um, 
And as he grew up, they eventually moved to Double Beige and stayed in the water. But the same street that Dallium grew up in and uh, moved from was the same street that Wayne Pierce also grew up really? on. And then, and then later went to school at Nicholson Street. So yeah. there you go. When I, I don't need to remember their names. I just need to remember the amazing facts yeah, around them. you remember them. the crazy and, stuff. Uh, More fun facts with Big T next week, guys. But, uh, mate, um, <laughs> it was... <laughs> Speaking of great chats, did you get, and, and nostalgia, did you get to, I mean, I'm sure you listened to JT and Big T becoming two best of the best friends. friends. Yeah, I, I listened to it twice, mate. Did you guys go for coffee this week or chat on the phone or anything <laughs> like that? Uh, that's a wish. No, he, uh, he, he hasn't called me since then, but that's okay. You know, it's, it was a, it was a fiery relationship. It, it burned hot at the time and that's okay. And, you know, he might need some time to cool down. It was a great chat, man. But I loved it. Yeah, I love listening. I listened to it twice, I think, and we've had some great feedback. We're also getting great feedback on our little P and G episodes, five minutes long every every Monday. Matty Church, the P and G Hunters coach, giving us you know our little snippets and little little match updates of um of what's going on round by round in the Digicel Cup over there, which is really cool to listen to. Like I'm learning players' names and who's which clubs are favourites and the, the little rivalries and things like that so it's been pretty cool and um we just really wanted to shine more of a spotlight on Papua New Guinea Rugby League on the domestic competition over there um which it has done because you guys are listening and reaching out and and telling us that you're enjoying it so we'll keep that rolling until the end of the season go Tigers (laughs) go Tigers uh mate and I also had some I also had some feedback about you mate I get this every now and then but shout out to Mark Harris regular listener he goes and he sort of every time he listens to an episode he'll give me a little message saying oh yeah love the show this is what I liked about it and this week he says to me um mate tell me does everyone love how Big T says wow and uh Oh my god! Because Mercher doesn't listen to these recorded uh, live anymore. He's, he listens back and edits. Yeah, he's going to die when he hears that because his favorite, <laughs> Dash least favorite. I think it's his favorite thing about it is is me saying wow. And and one of my biggest fans, Mario Media Watch Mario, who's followed me around from podcast to podcast, is an excellent guy on Twitter. You should definitely get around him. Yeah, he also loves that I say wow and shut up to um really incredible people. You just can't believe that I tell. Yvonne Sampson to shut up and wow in the same sentence. Well, the so, wows, yes, my, my, the, the wows, my wows are popular. Are, Don't stop the wows. Yeah. And I suggest <laughs> at home, unless you're driving while you're listening or something like that, but if you want to play a drinking game just every time Big oh, T says wow, you, you'll get absolutely hammered. But I uh, also got lots of really lovely feedback from that. There were lots of um, people who messaged me um, and, and messengered me, uh, DM'd me about that episode. It was really, really kind of you. So thanks to all those people. Yeah, good stuff. We'll keep it going. We've got a good interview tonight. So I spoke to John Dutton, the CEO of the Rugby League World Cup 2021. And John, of course, has been on the show before, but I didn't realize it's been so long. The last time he was on the show was episode 45. So if you haven't listened to that, go and check that out. It was all the way back last November. It was the episode after I finished recording um, the official International Rugby League podcast. Mm. Um, So go listen to that. It was before Big T days, but check that out if you haven't already you get to know a little bit more about who John is. He was also on episode 35. Um, so we've had a couple of chats and this is, uh, I just got off the phone for, uh, with him actually, Big T. And uh, we had a lot to discuss, of course, since our last chat, the whole world has turned upside down. So all this great work that he and his team are doing leading towards, yeah. you know, the, the World Cup, you know, could be in jeopardy because of COVID-19, but they've got plans in place. They've got plan A, B, C, D. There's There's plenty going on and, I don't envy the job because, A, they've done an incredible job, but, but they've certainly been up against it. 
and no one could have predicted it. But I think we've got the best people in charge and doing it. So uh, check out that interview will be, you know, after our golden points, which uh, why don't we why don't we get started, mate? I'll, I'll start if you don't mind. Of course. All right. So um, golden point. Let's go to the USA where we have confirmation that the California Rugby League will host their world championship. That's right. <laughs> their world championship in November. The event will include four teams. So it's going to be two teams from last year and two new teams. So I don't know if it's like San Francisco Savage and LA Mongrel and two new teams, but we'll find out soon. It's taking place at Papa Murphy Stadium in Sacramento. And at this stage, um, there's going to be 10 to 20% fan capacity allowed. Uh, the, Tom and the guys over there have done an incredible job. They haven't given up. They've been trying yeah. to get things happening, trying to get games happening in Vegas and just trying to go anywhere they could uh, be allowed to play. But, of course, it's been very tricky over there in California in particular. And uh, they finally got this world championship happening uh, in November. Now, Big T, world championship, what are your thoughts on that sort of branding? Well, I think they've called it the Rugby League World Championship, so they made it even more uh, <laughs> even more specific and American. I mean, for that sake, I, lo- I love it. It is a very American thing. Rugby League World Series would have also been great, something like that. There is an emerging, nation, emerging Nations World Championship already. Am I remembering that right? There was, an, yeah, there was an Emerging Nations World Championship in 2018 in Sydney, and the plan and is they, uh, there'll be one in 2022 uh, yeah, in, okay. in the UK. So that would be my only small, if I was being serious about it, that would be my only small thing is that there are, it needed to be called the America's Championship or the American Club World Championship, just so that it kind of differentiated a little bit from the other rugby league world championships we already have. But in terms of an idea, like if if I'm just semantically complaining about a name, then, you know, then this is a great project because I love what they're doing over there. There is so much warming up still somehow in North America. You'd think that COVID is a great excuse for for um, um, United States to really kind of go, look, rugby league is not going to work for us. But the communities there just work so hard to make this sport happen. They were up against it in a normal pre-COVID world and and you could see the fight and now you can really see the resilience and all of the amazing things they're making happen there now. So You're right, man. Love yeah. California Rugby League. They, love everything that's happening over there. They had the perfect excuse to lay down and say, oh, no, we, we died yeah. because of COVID, but they're still going. And uh, look, look at what like Monty Gaddis is doing in Cleveland and we'll get we'll have a chat with him soon about oh everything God. that's happening there. But there, there are people just doing some amazing things. And for me, World Championship, the the, the Rugby League World Championship, I know it's, it's tongue-in-cheek, man. I know why they're doing it. They want people to talk about it it's so american like the big show is the united states and they you know they call their sports ball championships that's what they're doing here it's tongue-in-cheek but man if it gets the locals excited i'm all for it i'm I'm, I'm all for it yeah yeah it's culturally on brand for them so uh i'm gonna go with another one in america golden point um to actually well technically it's the new zealand herald but it's talking about America, who've reported that Prince Harry wants his son Archie to play <laughs> rugby league in the USA. Now, I love, not only has he talked about he wants him to play rugby league, but the fact he's even pointed out he wants to play in the USA. I, I think he and his wife live in Canada. Am I remember that? Or is it actually the USA? Oh, I think they live in Canada now. But yeah, yeah did I, right. I read the headline, but did I, did I, I didn't read the article. Did you read the article? Of course I did. Like, because, did the, because the, did they say, the person who originally said yeah. it said, Tweeted it saying, um, I thought this was a joke. Um, and then when you read it, of course, he was like the face of Rugby League World Cup. It ties beautifully into your yeah. chat with, with John. He, he's the face of that and the promoter of it. He loves Rugby League. And so he's there. He can't get his, 
he said he was finding it really hard. The um, Prince, Prince, or ex Prince Harry was saying it's really hard to find a rugby league shaped ball there, and he's working really hard to try and find it. Um, and he just wants to get Archie in, in the game because he loves the game, he loves the characters, stuff that it builds, and, and he's looking forward to making it happen. I think this is he. He's the smartest person uh, in terms of publicity because I don't know if he knows about that world championship thing or if he just knows that there is a seedling and a small growth of rugby league happening in America. But he's he's timed this perfectly because there is a small build-up to the World Cup. It's reminding everyone that he's there. It's such an outlandish comment that it makes people talk about it. Um, it's it's fantastic. It's From a marketing point of view, it's fantastic. And, and uh, more power to him. I like the bloke more and more every time he says something about rugby league. I like your positivity, man. I must admit, like, I didn't read the article, but I thought, did has he been misquoted? Like, did he say he wants his son to play rugby league in America, or does he want his son to play in a rugby league in America, which, of course, no, 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 means no. two different things. So, yeah, I wasn't sure about that, but you're telling me he's, he's a, he, it's, it's in fact our sport that he wants us. Well, that's, that's exactly how I read it, but I guess now that you've said it, I mean, I was, I was already lit up and excited. <laughs> So I may have misread it, but I'm sure I'm, the the vibe I got from the article is that he was talking talking about someone's asked him off the cuff, like, "Oh, what do you think about this?" And he's like, "Oh no, I'd love my son to play that." Blah blah blah. So he's not investing any time or money or effort into it, but he, you know, he wants his son to play it. Let's do it. Hopefully, he um, can get more of an administrative role over there if he's that passionate. So that's awesome, mate. Uh, golden now, point. Now can I? Yeah. Thanks. Can I do a real golden point there? <laughs> that was you, real. Would you account that as a real... Okay, great, great, great. No, no, stay in Canada. Stay in Canada, because I'm, I'm sure that I okay. know there's more news over there that you want to talk about. I know. Well, I steal all my golden points from you, so you know where I'm going. <laughs> I just remember, And I don't know if you've noticed, but I really like geographically staying in the right spot and then not leaving until we do all those spots there. You plan it well. So, yeah, golden point in Canada. The Toronto Wolfpack may have been given a lifeline... And this is why I'm super excited yes. as a as a world ambassador, global ambassador, with the British press reporting the club has been identified as a preferred consortium for takeover and the process of formalising this move with the RFL and Super League has started. There may even be some news um, later, well, well, today, tomorrow, by the time people start listening to this. Yeah, so we don't you, know when it's Have coming. you heard much about it? Well, we've, we've heard that there are a few consortium interested in purchasing the club, but we now have heard from uh, Bob Howlett, um, that they have a preferred consortium. Like they've chosen one that they've they want. They've chosen yeah, yeah. one. Now, I don't know who it is, but we have heard that or uh, we have read that it is um, a, a North American-based company um, and that they have been or are, are involved in the Wolfpack at the moment anyway, or they have been previously ah. involved. So they keep them getting in-house, which is probably a good thing. And um, it's just good to hear because there's so much... I guess negativity, and we're all thinking the worst two weeks ago. But um, it looks Not like there could be some positivity. I've been on record the whole time saying Wolfpack for life. The because um, I know nothing about it, and and I don't get yeah, that well read. But that's good. Yeah, what have I got to lose? But the um, I was concerned when I first read this story through whatever channel, probably your Instagram, that um, <laughs> it was the New York, <laughs> it was the New York. Thing because I think you told me that the New York bid was looking like it might buy the Toronto thing, and then we didn't know if they were going to just straight up turn into the New York uh, Wolves or whatever. But you don't think it's a New York consortium? Definitely not New York. New York were involved Great. in the conversation early on, um, but they, yeah, it they it was very premature sort of discussions. Uh, some things didn't sort of line up for for all parties, and New York sort of walked away very quickly from that conversation. So yeah, it's definitely well, not great. Best. 
three teams and when we've got a Queen City Royals episode coming up soon. Yeah. And now that they know that Prince Harry's super keen, obviously Prince Harry's going to line up beautifully with Queen City Royals. So uh, that'll work beautifully as well. Can't wait. That'll be four major teams in North America soon, <laughs> so if not good. more. So good. Uh, Golden Point. Let's go to Europe. Golden Point, Greece. So um, if you're a long-time Chasing Kangaroos listener, you will be aware of the roadblocks that domestic rugby league has faced in Greece. And we're hearing reports now that the man behind those roadblocks, so the former Hellenic Rugby League president, Talzos Panitsidis, has been handed a 16-month ban from being involved in any sport. Um, so wow. this is huge. I won't go into too many details, but many of you will know what this story is about. We first spoke about this on our podcast all the way back in episode five. Um, <laughs> it was very unprofessional. So if you want to go back and listen to it, you can, but it's don't expect the, uh, poor Murchison quality that we have now. <laughs> uh, but episode five, the not so good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, we spoke about it then for the first time. And I spoke about it again in episode 25, hashtag let Greece play with uh, Gavin Willisey. It's it's a phenomenal story, but it seems to be coming to a conclusion finally. And it's good news for the Greek Rugby League Association. It means that any political clout that Tarzos had is no more. And the days of Mm. Greek domestic rugby league and international matches being kicked off after midnight and played at secret (laughs) locations are a thing of the past. So onward and upward for, uh, for the Greek Rugby League Association. Now, also, just to do a weird flex about how much of a Chasing Kangaroos fan I really am, (laughs) I'm also under the impression that Hash Let Grease Play was your first double episode, like your midweek release. Oh, potentially. I don't even remember that. So that's a good flex, Big Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Until someone proves me otherwise, let's just say that's true. Okay, I'm going to go Golden Point Griffin Cup. Yeah. Now, this was, I saw you put this on your Insta, and I ended up throwing it on mine as well because. There's, there's a little bit of craziness to this one. A live stream has been confirmed uh, for what looks like one of the only International Rugby League matches we'll get to see this year, which is also really sad, but but let's focus on that we're going to see one. We'll be able to watch the Griffin Cup match between the Netherlands and Germany at the end of September. I think it's the 26th. Yep. Um, there's obviously going to be more information to come, like it's live streamed on Facebook and who might be doing the commentary, Carbonara? <laughs> we've we've sort of joked about this, but it's a joke sometimes becomes real. So we might, I, I don't know, we'll see if we can. You don't joke. Strings. We'll see if we can. You do great. No, I don't. You joke. do great ideas. <laughs> you do great ideas and then laugh after them. And then you see if anyone else laughs or if everyone goes, that's a great idea. And this is another one of those ones where I'm still not sure if I'm laughing or telling you it's a great idea, but there seems to be a groundswell of uh, support for it, at least to see if we uh, humiliate ourselves or not. Well, let's see how we go. I put the ideas out into the world and then we take it from there. But we there, there is talk that we could live stream it and maybe Big T and I could uh, provide some of our colour commentary. But we'll see how we go. We'll see if it's possible. We'll see if we can pull some strings and, and help uh, our listeners at home uh, watch along with us. I've never commentated before Big T. I don't know if you have, but you've certainly got the voice for it. So maybe for that one... <laughs> I'll be like I'll be like the sidekick, and you can be like you be the Ray Hadley, and I'll be the no, Ray Hadley. You be the Ray Warren, and I'll be the Phil Gould. But we'll just be like the better looking versions of them. Yeah. So you'll ask me about weird Channel Nine programs that I haven't watched, and then you'll try and plug them uh, in between your amazing commentary. Which okay. reminds that, me, that have you been great. watching The Block? Just kidding, I haven't. <laughs> um, Golden Point. <laughs> Sorry, if you want to hear some wows, though, fuck, put me on commentary. You're going to wow. hear wows. <laughs> wow. wow. Anytime. Wow. Look at that. Wow. Look at that refereeing. If we do it, we'll, oh, talk, because we'll talk to Matt. Our Netherlands guy's refereeing it, right? That was the other thing I think I saw. He, he oh, said, he'll be on the, he'll be the, the touchy. touchy. He'll be the touchy. Yeah, well, that'd yeah. be great. What a connection. 
We'll chat to Matt Rigby and the guys at, at Netherlands and the guys at Germany as well and um, see if it's possible. But we need like a team list like a week before at least so we can start practicing because we're going to butcher some oh, names. Yeah. E- even with and we the, need Carsten. Yeah, we'll need Carsten. Well, Carsten's going to be at the game. So, he'll um, need to no, but he'll need us a week before to just give us some a verbal. He'll have to read the list out loud and, and we'll send us a it. recording. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just practice that all week. Just listen to it, like record. Yeah, listen to it as you go to sleep. So it's just like embedded in our brains. Yeah. Anyway, that's mine. A football. <laughs> what he said. A golden point to the Pacific. So will they or won't they? Now we've heard mm. about plans for New Zealand to take on Tonga in two matches at the end of the year, as well as at least one match for each of the Oceania Cup sides as well. Things are kind of on track, but um, obviously the world is changing every single day. And it appears that despite the efforts from all involved, uh, the ever-changing COVID situation means that these matches will not be taking place at the conclusion of the NRL season. So Mm. we expect a statement in the next couple of weeks to confirm this. Um, It's really sad because we thought it was happening, but um, yeah, no, uh, it seems like we're going to have a bit less international rugby league than we even thought at the end of the year. Super sad. It's sad, but like it's understandable as well because, like, I think when th- things were progressing along nicely until we hit our second wave, um, that Victorian yeah. wave, and really we're at a situation where it doesn't look likely that we're going to be able to have crowds or full crowds. Um, so that's going to be a huge financial impact. And and the New Zealand Rugby League and Tongan Rugby Leagues, for example, don't have a lot of money, so they, it's you know it's to their detriment to be losing money on events like this. And also, we're kind of expecting by now that there'd be a New Zealand-Australian travel bubble that would be sort of happening, but because, right. of because you know, we've sort of dropped the ball over here in Oz, and yeah, that hasn't been possible. So for those reasons, um, looks like those matches won't be happening, but I guess the only, the, the little bit of good news in all of that is we may get one match out of all of it, and that is potentially, and this hasn't been confirmed yet, but there is... There is a little bit of light for a Kiwi Ferns versus Fetu Samoa match, which I believe would be in New Zealand, ah. uh, because they wouldn't there wouldn't be too many affected by travelling, and they might be able to get a crowd as well. So Kiwi Ferns Fetu Samoa is the little bit of light, but yeah, it's it's looking like the others will probably be cancelled at the end of the year, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a real shame. Yeah, it does. Uh, what a bummer! What a bummer to go out on Big T. Tell me something. That's okay. Tell me something good. Well, I'm just about to listen to your interview, so that's something excellent. And we all know that this Rugby League World Cup has been really well organised, so I can't wait to hear how these really great organisers have organised the next bit. Um, And I don't want to miss talking about this because every Monday I feel like I get a message from Steve Mascord because we're inside a WhatsApp group, no, no, a a Twitter DM, (laughs) and having him chat with me or to, to a group, but I feel like he's talking to me, is inspirational way to start my morning. So it's so great to be in that chat with Mascot Browns. And, of course, it also reminds me that Mascot Browns, mascotbrowns.com.au exists and that you should get that great clothing. I still walk around in my Sunny Bill Williams gear, and I love that every day. And I'm also rocking right now, would you believe, a Philippines pair of rugby shorts. How good is that? Is that available, Mascot Browns, so or they just sent it to you? Um, I'm a rugby league influencer, so it's really hard for me to tell what's in stock. <laughs> or what has been so, sent to you. But yeah, mascotbrowns.com, mascotbrowns.com.au. I'm positive. You know, I'm positive you can get Filipino stuff on there. I'm 20, positive you can get Filipino rugby league stuff on there because that, that jersey with the bull on it is the best jersey in international rugby league. Well, if you and I saw that. If you can't. I've 20, only seen that on their website. 2020 vision. Give it a shot. See if you can get that Filipino gear. If you can't get it, have a chat to us and we'll have a chat to them. We'll have a chat to Phil and Steve. 
and see uh, what the go is, why they're not getting the Filipino gear. So we'll shout out. Let's shout out to the Filipino <laughs> Rugby League who've obviously given uh, given Big T some free gear in the last. Love week you, Ray. And can I can I shout out uh, while we're speaking about free gear? I'll shout out to the Furla and Furl, the Italian Rugby League, who uh, has sent me some gear as well. So I'm going to wear that proudly. And uh, you know, if Big T's getting free gear, I've got to get some free gear too, right? <laughs> And also, big shout out to the Brisbane Bombers. The Bombers, some uh, <laughs> great merch that we get. We get. We're actually sending out to Dave Hunter, although he, you wouldn't know it. He's he's so impatiently waiting at the door every day, asking the postman, "Where's my parcel?" But uh, it's coming, Dave. You'll see it soon, champion. People are gonna. I reckon half of the stuff we talk about now, people are like, "What the fuck are those two guys talking about?" But <laughs> go back and listen to yeah, other episodes, yeah. fam. You got to go back. But look, if you are enjoy, if you are the listeners that do enjoy what we're talking about, then uh, please, please try and help us by subscribing to the podcast. It's and mm. uh, writing a review, maybe even sharing it with your friends on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, Big T might even give you a shout out as well if you do so. But, uh, guys, I think that's everything, Big T, for, for Golden Points this week. And we can get into my chat with uh, John Dutton, CEO of the Rugby League World Cup 2021. Go for it. Mate, happy Father's Day for next week. And uh, fuck yeah, no worry. John Dutton, welcome back to Chasing Kangaroos. Hi, Michael. My pleasure. <laughs> Mate, uh, last time we spoke, it feels like yesterday, but we haven't actually, uh, we haven't actually spoken or recorded an episode together since last November. It was... Um, it was episode 41, and back then we were talking about the upcoming draw and so many exciting things. It's always exciting to chat to you because it means we're closer to the World Cup, but the world has changed dramatically since we last spoke in November. I think you can agree with that. <laughs> Absolutely, Michael. I mean, I mean that's, that's scary, isn't it? Last, uh, last November, I, I, as you say, we were all set in January, did the draw. Uh, at Buckingham Palace and um, moving through our spring here uh, in the UK and uh, of course uh, a, a pandemic uh, so yeah gosh hasn't hasn't the world changed well in the same few months you've you've met Prince Harry you've but and then all of a sudden we're you're working from home and things like that so it's it's certainly pretty crazy before we get into that let's I want to ask you you know the draw's been released since we last spoke and um, there's some really exciting matchups there but I guess I want to know from your perspective, if you could, like, what is one game that you're looking forward to the most, or do you think is like the most critical or important for this event as a whole? Oh, I, I, I think the most critical importance is the opening game uh, in Newcastle between England and Samoa. Um, it will set the tone uh, for the tournament. Um, we talk a lot about momentum. It's really important that the stadium is full. Uh, I know we'll get onto uh, some of the challenges uh, around COVID, yeah. uh, but I think that that, that is a really significant moment for the tournament. It's the first of 61 games, um, a global spotlight um, on the tournament. And, and hopefully if every, everything works out, um, I, you know, I, I, as many people uh, are crossing the fingers and hoping for, you know, we will be in the perfect position um, as a sport, as a tournament uh, to really capitalise on that. Well, as you say, things have changed and you guys have been so well prepared along the way and nobody could have predicted a pandemic <laughs> along during this journey. So tell yeah. us about, you know, what has changed, you know, since, since you know, the, the, the COVID lockdowns and this whole period. Can you uh, maybe shed some light on what John Dutton's day-to-day sort of looks like now and what new challenges, you know, the Rugby League 2021 World Cup is facing because of it? 
Yeah, I, I, I'd love to say I, I'm becoming an expert in managing uncertainty, but <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that expertise uh, actually exists. I mean, yeah. we've talked a lot to, to other sports events, to other people uh, who've been in a similar situation, other people who've been far worse uh, affected that their, that their events have. Uh, have gone from the calendar um, completely. But it, it is that uncertainty on a day-to-day basis, um, which if we knew in a month's time, three months' time, yep. there was going to be something that uh, broke the vaccine or wh- whatever uh, the situation, you can start to make plans. And, and of course, we can't. Um, international travel, uh, quarantine, um, you know, just the health situation. So the last four uh, and a half months have been managing uncertainty. But doing it in a way where we have um, a plan, we have a number of plans, and we can talk a bit more uh, about those. Um, but to make calm, ra- rational decisions, and just to be agile, just to react to the situation, but with that calmness, and not to forget, Michael, that the thing that is still on our side is we have 14 months, um, yeah. 14 months in the world we, we, we're living at the moment. Um, if you just, as you say, let, let's reflect back to last November and the last time we talked and everything that's happened. So time is still on our side, uh, but at some point, uh, the clock will start to uh, work against us. So, uh, yeah, days are spent um, a lot dealing with UK government, uh, who've been incredibly supportive. We have a large amount of public funding, uh, obviously more and more contact uh, with the competing uh, nations Um, and and a team. We're we're actually in the UK booking the trend at the moment that we are recruiting. uh, We are onboarding people virtually. Uh, All all of that, you know, I, I guess we were... Uh, slightly apprehensive uh, about bringing people onto the team and you know not being able to meet in person and interviewing uh, virtually um and and it's been seamless um and and you know not none of that has actually been a barrier uh, to us in any way it's good to hear you being in contact with the teams and the nations because they they would obviously be yeah. raising concerns and they want to know what's going on and it must be tricky because you don't know what's going to be happening. But you mentioned, and I did want to ask you about, you know, the the if is there a plan B? And you kind of mentioned that there might be a few alternate plans. Can you shed some light yep. or start to tell us about, you know, what plan B, C, D could look like? Yeah, sure. And, and the first thing I would say, uh, Michael, is what one of the things that we've done through this period is really dial up our communication, um, sort of internally with our teammates but also externally and and, and that critical nations we have 18 host towns and cities we know meeting them on a more uh, regular basis so i i think that's just a, a key essential and something we've been very um very mindful of uh, in, in this period but i mean where, where do we stand at the moment we stand 14 months away uh, we're going to go on sale um, I'm going to talk about international fan travel, but actually go on sale uh, with general admission tickets uh, in the next three weeks. Uh, and we're doing that on the basis of uh, a quite a scientific approach, yep. uh, looking and listening to people about consumer confidence, about propensity to buy, and, and planning to deliver the tournament in the way that we always had hoped. Now, of course, that may not be possible. So uh, some of the things that we uh, have considered and will continue to think about are social distancing, so staging the tournament, but not with capacity uh, crowds yep. and how that might impact um, the budget and the business plan. Um, of course, po- postponement, uh, moving the tournament back um, is an option. Um, it is fiendishly complicated, yep. uh, not least there is an international window for uh, sorry there's a window for international rugby league uh, we have to consider that uh, there's obviously a, a FIFA football world cup um, in 2022 uh, there's some significant events in uh, the UK uh, in 22 the Commonwealth Games uh, the women's um, football European Championships um, and so on um, so, so, so they're, they're, they're what 
the thoughts that are in our mind, and and of course the you know the worst case scenario is the tournament doesn't happen, um, and and that's not something that anyone um, wants to see, and that's something that everyone collectively have pulled together, the international federation, the nations, yep. um, our team, and also uh, government. So all, all of that, and, and perhaps a few sort of subsets uh, to that um, for, for us. Um, at this point in time, unless something significantly changes, I don't see us playing the tournament behind closed doors. Yep. Um, and, uh, and that, A, that from a business plan perspective, uh, but B, you know, we, we are in pursuit of bringing people together. Yep. Um, we, we released our uh, new brand, our um, call to action about the power of together. And, and it's the thing that people can't do, certainly here in the UK um, at the moment, go with friends and family and, and, and create those amazing memories that will last, last a lifetime. And that's always what we at the Rugby World Cup have been in pursuit of. So if at a point where we can't do that, then as you say, we've got to start to look at the plans, which um, are now pretty detailed. So what do you think is more likely that we go ahead with social distancing or it's cancelled altogether? I think at this point in time, we, 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 are, we wouldn't be going on sale if we weren't confident that we yeah. stage the tournament um, next October and November. We, what, what we don't know is uh, the additional um, overlay, uh, you know, medical provision that we will uh, have to make. Yeah. Um, we don't know what the quarantine situation will be in 14 months' time, yeah. etc. So, so and that, that goes back to uncertainty. No one knows. So yeah. we, you know, we make a plan on... Um, right here today and then you will have to amend the plan um as we go um so you know i i this is about being responsible um with the you know significant um public funding with a significant amount of interest in this tournament um we, we cannot be reckless in any way so that's why it's a sort of staged approach i, I think the key milestone for us uh, initially is once we go on sale um at christmas into the new year um january becomes a critical month to really just take stock yeah. uh, and see you know see what's happening in the world uh, obviously you know lots of talk and about the race to get a vaccine and and, and lots of talk about uh, how international travel will be uh, affected so clearly staging an international tournament um it, it, it was complex to begin with uh, and the pandemic has uh, supercharge the complexity, uh, but that's you know that's what we signed up to do, uh, Michael, and we we are determined to stage the biggest and best ever rugby league World Cup. At, at the point where that um, isn't possible, then obviously we've, we're into uh, all of the options um, that we just talked about. Well, all of our listeners are fingers crossed, hoping that everything can start to run a little more smoothly than usual. It's kind of good to see that you you and the team are very flexible about it, and you you've got a, a systematic approach. And you've got some milestones in place. I think that's good. And a good example of that is the pricing structure that was announced. And it's it's there's been some some cheap tickets, I would say, compared to what we would have expected. And that's obviously because you know people are falling on tough times, and we're we're trying yeah. to get reach a certain number of 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 um of fans. Tell yeah, us a little bit good. about the decision with the pricing structure, and and give us a little more detail around all of that. Yeah, we prefer the word affordable uh, rather than cheap. Sorry, uh, but, but you know, no, but you're you're absolutely right. We 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 have reacted um, to the circumstances. So so we we are um, 
under no illusions that uh, the number of overseas travellers uh, will be much less than for a football World Cup, for a rugby union World Cup. Yep. So therefore, the audience will be quite a local audience, um, particularly in the north of England, um, particularly in some hard-to-reach uh, areas. So for us, uh, in our research, we, we had to think and react um, accordingly. Um, but you know, we've just got to be realistic. This whole circumstance, we've got to be realistic that it's a situation that no one, I don't think, in the lives have ever had to deal with before. Certainly not, yep. You know, there there aren't ready-made answers. There isn't a manual that we can pick up and follow. So, so we you know we can't bury our head in the sand and think, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Um, and, and certainly, no messaging. We're not going to sugarcoat anything at all. Uh, but we want to be positive. We want to give something for people to look forward to. We talk a lot about hope and optimism, uh, which I think sums up uh, our journey so far on the rugby league World Cup. So, so the pricing. Very purposely, we did a piece of work at the end of last year with a research agency. Yep. We then did some more research in the new year, uh, and then we sat down and we've amended, tweaked uh, slightly uh, our prices. But the things that we've put in place, Michael, are um, full protection. Uh, so should people buy and the tournament doesn't go ahead, 100% refund. Uh, we've also introduced for the first time ever, uh, certainly uh, here in the UK, Installment payments, so yep. people can spread the cost of the tickets uh, over a period, and, and and various other things just to make people feel that they're going to pledge and spend the money with those affordable prices, but they've got the protection should something not quite uh, go according to plan. And then the rest of it is uh, is about families, uh, it's about children. We've got two pounds twenty one. Uh, there's a 2021 theme running uh, all the yeah. way throughout the pricing to encourage children and uh, families, particularly to come along to the women's wheelchair games. Yep. Uh, and obviously, when you talk about things to look forward to, I can't wait to see the wheelchair uh, tournament. I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, and obviously, in the women's tournament, not only have we got England-Brazil starting the tournament, we've got that uh, group game between um, Australia uh, and New Zealand. So th- th- they are the moments uh, that if we can encourage people to come along, maybe experience the sport for the first time and have a pricing structure that has some flexibility. Uh, clearly, at the top end, there are some more expensive uh, prices. But that, that that's, you know, we are staging a World Cup and, and, and we're very pleased with the feedback from the pricing so far. Uh, the next stage is to go on sale and, uh, and test it out. Well, I think you've got the balance right, and because really the people, the fans, might need some confidence to get back into a crowd. You know, say best case scenario, it's everything is okay. There's a vaccine, and crowds are able to be at a hundred percent capacity. We still don't know if people are going to want to be out in a big crowd like that because we're not used to it or we're not comfortable with it. But but how confident are you now with these new measures? Let's say best case scenario, things are sort of back to normal by by World Cup time. How confident are you of reaching those original targets to have, you know, some of the biggest crowds ever for a Rugby League World Cup? Yeah, we are confident, but again, we are realistic. Uh, the size, size of the challenge, we've, we've always been bold and brave. We've always been ambitious. Uh, we've always talked about our uh, ticketing targets. So, so it was a challenge before the pandemic. And undoubtedly, as you said, so there will be some apprehension uh, for, for some people that might have you know, come uh, before and now just be a little bit more uncertain. So undoubtedly, those targets are significant. But th- this has always been about the biggest and best tournament. It's always been aspirational. It's always been about transcending rugby league and getting to new audiences. Yep. And we absolutely stand by that. And it might be from a pandemic perspective that we have to put more measures in place. And of course, uh, we want to make sure as part of our research, people, that, that, that now is 
expected that when uh, stages are fully reopened, hygiene, health, health uh, conditions are front of mind. And, and, and we, we've got some amazing venues that we look forward to staging the games. I mean, if we, if we go all the way to the end, the men's and women's finals on the same day, at Old Trafford in such an iconic venue. I, I was in Brisbane for the 2017 doubleheader yep. World Cup finals. What, what a great occasion. It's really important for us to you know, take the property that is the World Cup and make sure that we can take it on to the, uh, to, to the next level in 21. And then hopefully the people that come after us in 25 and 29 and so on continue to grow that property. Sensational, mate. And the main reason we're here, you know, earlier you mentioned that a lot of the fans, a lot of the tickets will be purchased by locals. But there's obviously, with, a, with an event like this, is obviously going to be an international component. There's going to be fans coming from all over the place, in particular places like Australia, New Zealand, for example. Yep. Now, yep. you guys are announcing your international travel packages for this World Cup. Tell me a little bit about Glory Days, what they're doing, and, and explain to our listeners um, what this is all about and how they can get involved. Yeah, uh, so first of all, Glory Days were involved in 2017. Uh, so they ran uh, packages from the UK into Australia, New Zealand, and Papua New Guinea. Yeah. And took some significant tour parties over and wrapped around that experience. So we're delighted that we partnered with them. What, what they will do, have been doing in preparation to go on sale, is working with lo- local agents in both Australia and New Zealand and to start to build those experiences. And as you say, this is a, a World Cup. We have an international fan travel element. We will also have a domestic fan travel element whereby people can choose an experience. So uh, obviously coming across flight, accommodation, but it's then the rugby league experience that we can wrap around that. So, of course, Premier tickets to the games, watching the captains run the day before, yeah. uh, meeting players, and being with some of the legends of the game. And, of course, then seeing some of what England and the UK has to offer. I guess we are slightly more fortunate than in 2017 our geography is a little easier to navigate and <laughs> to actually take in a lot of the tournaments so one of the decisions that we took is we, we will play pretty much every day so we have that continuity and obviously that was really challenging in 17 because of the vast travel that people were having to do so yep. all of that and more and i think the key word michael is an experience you know people it might be the trip of a lifetime it might be something that people have been saving for it might be that people came here in 2013 for the world cup and had such a great time we just want to really take that to the next level and build an experience uh, that people can look forward to and have 14 months to do so so how's it going to work is there going to be like a number of packages ready to go or will it sort of be like a build your own experience type of thing yeah, a bit of both, Michael. So, so people will be able to buy directly. But what we anticipate is people will probably buy locally from the agents in Australia and New Zealand, yeah. and, and they will have that blend of, you know, come, come for the first part of the tournament, come for the second part of the tournament, or actually, you know, what bit, bit build your own experience. I think what, what we've seen in the travel and hospitality industry, certainly in the UK, is, is people want an experience. They don't necessarily want a off-the-shelf yeah. package. So if we offer a blend of both and work with those people that are skilled in doing this, we will get the uh, get the very best. But it's, it's, a, it's a very very big sort of build up for us that we've got overseas travel on sale on the same day as our corporate hospitality program uh, goes yep. live. Uh, we've got a retail loan coming up. We're really excited about our merchandise that we're uh, that we're going to offer. Uh, so we've got that coming up, and then the domestic fan travel and of course general sale thereafter. So in the space of three weeks, we'll be on sale with everything and, you know, putting those protections uh, in place that we talked about earlier. Well, this in my mind would be the earliest we've ever been on sale for a World Cup. Am I right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so in 2013, we went on sale exactly one year out. And what we will do differently this time is we will put a ballot in place and, and a ballot we've seen with the Cricket World Cup, World Athletics Championships, the Netball World Cup, how ballots have been used incredibly successfully. So yes, we're on sale earlier than ever before in stages leading up to the to the ballot and that's the opportunity for us michael to reach that new audience it is so critically important that we serve the loyal rugby league community give them something to look forward to but also that we transcend that and reach new audiences sensational and some of those guarantees so you, you talked about with the ticketing your 100 percent money back guarantees if there's if you know the the world cup is behind closed doors or there's there's covid restrictions would that apply to these international like flights and accommodation and things like that as well? Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Obviously, a, a little more complicated. Yeah, yeah I, I, absolutely. You know, we, we it should, should the tournament not go ahead, we want to give people the peace of mind uh, that they will receive a refund for the monies that they've paid. But as 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 per all the things, these things, it's just. Yeah. Fiendishly complicated, de- dealing with lots of people, and just you know we're, we're into such a, a, a new area, a space that no one has ever been in. There are very few events that are actually on sale at the moment, so so we will book the trend again, and just almost holding people's hand and trying to take them through this together, and using that hope, optimism, and positivity for the future is something you know. I, I, I this will be my third World Cup. I've had such yep. incredible memories from it. Um, just at, at the weekend. We celebrated the sport's 125th birthday. And if you think what the sport has given us all, yep. that's the past. And, and, and we want to be part of the, uh, the sport's future history. I wonder if we'll be talking about this World Cup in another 125 years and talking about how, how difficult it was to put on. But what a great job and how we packed houses. And it was amazing. But yeah. I think you guys are doing a great job. And um, it's a task that no one has, has gone through before. But there's there's options there. And you're giving people the confidence to be a part of it. And I think that's really important and very difficult. So well done. Uh, uh, thank you, Michael. And it is, uh, yes, it's uh, without doubt a challenge. Uh, it's great how the sport has really come together and offered support. But as we've talked about before, international rugby league is so critically important to the future growth of rugby league. And, and, and that's why a World Cup has to be a catalyst. And, it, you know, they're, they're, for me, there's nothing quite like international rugby league. It is played infrequently for you know obvious reasons of play welfare yeah. and the games that the players are being put under. But uh, you know what I have to say is we've received terrific support from the clubs, from the from the leagues, and I think everyone appreciates how important this tournament is. We do all need to get behind it, and and you mentioned how infrequent international rugby league is played, and this year obviously is it's a little less than usual. And we saw the cancellation of the Kangaroo Tour uh, at the end of this year over in the UK. And I, I think that would have been a great sort of marketing exercise for you guys yeah. to get to drum yeah. some interest into the sport. How yeah. has that affected things for preparations? And uh, is there anything you can do or is there anything that you and your team are doing to sort of sort of nullify that effect and, and still get get the message out there? Yeah, there's no real substitute for it, Michael, if I'm being honest. Yeah. We were looking forward to it on a number of different levels. Number one, as you say, what, what a brilliant marketing uh, opportunity, a chance to show people Australia versus England going at each other over three games, the very best of uh, what International Rugby League can offer. So that not taking place, uh, we were also going to test a few things out is around digital and customer experience and all of those different yeah. things because we also shouldn't forget when we, when we talk about getting people in, in, inside venues it, it's not just about the actual stadium it's about travel and transport and, and planning your journey and all those other things so look we can 
continue to plan and do some readiness exercises, etc. But but just not having international rugby league from a marketing perspective, from a selling the tournament, from reaching other people, but both here and worldwide, because of course those those pitches would have been projected across the globe and and whilst we all love our club rugby league and the NRL have done a fantastic job in, in getting back and, and, and making those pitches available you know to get to people to new spectators I firmly believe that watching nations go head to head is that catalyst and that if we can provide that in the World Cup and then there is longevity from people watching the NRL watching Super League watching yep. the different competitions across the world getting more nations to play then that might start with an Ashes it might start with a Ferns versus Jill Roos it might start with a World Cup but predominantly international rugby league can reach places that at the moment the club game can't get to and I always try and find a positive John as you know and I, I think that maybe in this instance the fact that we've had you know, over a year without internationals or seeing the kangaroos in action, that maybe that will add to the hunger that people will yeah. want to see these, these nations in action at, at international rugby league level. So, yeah. you know, it could, it could very well go the other way, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I talk to a lot of people in the UK about that. And, and also that sort of sense of unpredictability. So, so if, if there aren't the regular games and you're not seeing the yeah. players sort of gelling together as that team, that you know when they take the pitch, people will play friendlies and, and, and we'll get together. But there's nothing quite like a full test match for people to go out at. So I actually think it adds to the intrigue of what we will see. And, and, and as you said earlier, Michael, we've got some incredible matchups. We've got some incredible stories. Jamaica, Brazil, Greece, of course. People in the UK, we know from our survey, uh, can't wait to see the Pacific nations and the vibrancy awesome. uh, that they yeah. will bring. And, uh, and England, Australia and New Zealand across the tournaments will undoubtedly put a really strong team on the park. So, so all of those things, it's 61 games, three different tournaments, adds to hopefully uh, the scarcity that we've got at the moment will make people hungrier to come and watch. It's going to be huge. And just hearing you talk about it, I can't believe it's over a year away. It's probably a good thing because we need that time yeah. uh, for the world to get back to normal. But it's going to be massive. But I did hear earlier this week that it's going to be a little bit smaller than we expected because we had the Festival of World Cups, which was yeah. we spoke about last time, John, yeah. being mid next year. And that included, yeah. you know, events like the Emerging Nations Women's World Cup, for example. That's been cancelled or postponed. Can, can you tell us what the plan is or how the decision came about? And is there a plan to host that these events later on or are we yeah. just waiting till next World Cup now? Yeah, it's a real disappointment, Michael, and particularly the Emerging Women's World Cup. We were so excited to be the first to stage that. And of course, there is so much interest in International Women's Rugby League at the moment. So quite simply, we contacted all the nations that had expressed an interest. Um, yep. We needed to start to ask them to commit because we were about to book venues and accommodation and, and do all of those things. And pretty much all of them, particularly ones from further afield, simply said that, that they couldn't confirm that would, they would be able to raise the funds to come to the UK. And, and, and what that meant is all of a sudden, yep. a, you know, a really yep. strong competition of multiple nations became a competition of, of, of essentially home nations. And, and that's, that, you know, that, that's not a World Cup. So everyone's been supportive, very appreciative. It almost wasn't a decision we had to take. The decision was sort of taken from us by the competing nations but we've been working with the international federation 22 now because potentially the emerging men's tournaments is still to be slated as well so yep. we will continue to work with 
the IRL. Perhaps one of the opportunities is to stage events in England in 22 as a legacy to what we're doing. But, uh, that that's outside of our hands and outside of our control. But we, we will support in whatever way possible and, and and the festival you know i can't think of a more accurate word it, it is a bringing together of people for a high quality rugby league but a social life experience and and, yeah. and again having seen what happened in 13 and 17 and some brilliant memories from people able to represent their country whether that be from armed forces uh, from a student perspective etc but the one the one thing we have also confirmed michael is we, we were going to run the physical disability rugby league yep. uh, world cup and and the master that was that's always been during the tournament and and that still uh, stands so we we hope to add a few other elements to it maybe a learning disabilities element uh maybe some touch rugby league as well um but that you know that, that won't be a world cup it will just be uh add to the uh to the event that uh, we're staging in october and november next year Fantastic. Well, it's it would be nice to. It's going to be great to see all of those things. And look, if we if we need to wait till twenty twenty two to see the women's emerging nations, maybe it makes sense to have it alongside the men's one as well. So, but mate, let's jump from from a little bit of a negative to more of a positive. So, many of our listeners would have seen on social media, in particular, uh, the community capital grants program, and and you guys are able to help out local clubs and communities, you know, around the UK, particularly in the north. Tell us a little bit about the program and, and maybe give our listeners an example of of one particular instance where, you know, the effects have, have been incredibly positive. Yeah, uh, look, it's just a privilege to be able to have the funding to actually make a difference. And this has been a, a long time in the making. It goes right back to 2015 when we knocked on the door of UK government and, and, and yeah. asked for not just to stage an event, but also to leave, leave a long-lasting legacy. So, so we talk a lot about social impact here, Michael. I, 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 you know, it's, it, it is an absolute pleasure to be able to tell people what we're doing, not just from the Capital Grants Programme, but everything, mental fitness, volunteering, etc. But specifically the Grants Programme, we've awarded just over 100 small grants, so, so anything in the UK up to 15,000 UK sterling. And it, it almost feels like a bit like one a day at the moment uh, that, we're, that we're issuing and the good news is coming out. And of course, yeah. during the pandemic, that, that really has been incredibly well, well received. So that's for uh, kit equipment, to small modifications to uh, to changing rooms, you know, fixing the roof, etc. And then the big grants that we've delivered. So not not certainly not the quantity, but they they, they are huge. They're, they are new clubhouses, the new pitches. This is the light you know, community rugby is the lifeblood of the sport, and they will be here for many years to come because of the difference that we've made. So if I could pick out a project. So we've got a project in Salford, whereby a clubhouse, a great club, Salford Roosters, yep. uh, who have endured pretty average changing accommodation, to say the least, and, and, and they're build, building a new changing block, but also uh, as part of that a sort of clubhouse facility, and that will be used on a day-to-day basis by public health providers by different community groups so so the, the rugby league aspect has been the i guess the fulcrum of it but then there's lots of other community activity uh, that go around it and, and and that's just one example of many similar projects so uh, we've got we've got about another five to announce in the coming weeks big than these are big projects and then we've probably got we're just about halfway through the funding that we have so we've got oh, plenty, wow. uh, plenty more good news to come and, and, and our pledge all the way through is that every penny of it will be committed because before the tournament starts, uh, of course, some of these things in terms of planning and uh, getting contractors on board and building uh, will take some time. But we're actually starting to see some of the ones that we funded 
right at the start a couple of years ago are actually almost ready to open now. It's just fantastic. It's money that sports never had before and it will be a manifestation, a true tangible legacy of the Rugby League World Cup. Absolutely sensational. We look forward to the big announcements coming up and it's good to see that the money is still there and being used the way it was supposed to be, despite everything that's going on in the world. And I think that's important that it's that it's being used the correct way. So well done. Um, the final question, really. And, and last time we spoke, you mentioned something that uh, I, I found very interesting. And I know it's not your decision, but you did say that before the next World Cup, we would know where the 2025 World Cup is. And like I say, I know it's not that's not part of your, your job or your decision, but have you... Have the conversations been continuing to your knowledge? You know, is there an announcement like that coming up? I'm unsure on the on the timescales, Michael. Again, all of that undoubtedly affected by the pandemic. Look, the commitment that we've made is to work with the team at the IRL, yep. is to pass on all of our knowledge about you know, literally everything, our approach to setting three tournaments together, uh, the business model, you know, lots and lots of learning from others. We can factor in, our, you know, have had so many different conversations with so many other event organizers across the world over the past few weeks and and that in itself is is great knowledge to capture and pass on so i don't know is the honest answer <laughs> when the decision uh, will be made it, it, it's tough you know let, let, let's be realistic about the ability for governments for regions to put together public funding to stage major events and if you see yeah. the trend from the Olympic Games. There was some news last week about Hamilton and the Commonwealth Games and some of the challenges that they're facing in 2026. So, so actually, to go to governments and, and undoubtedly with um, you know, Olympic, Paralympic bid, Rugby World Cup, all, all the things that potentially Australia are considering. And, and if you look at New Zealand, th- three years of consecutive major events with women's rugby union, women's cricket and women's football. Yeah. But that just means that some money has been invested and there might be less to go around in the future. So I, I don't envy the IRL in looking to put together, uh, you know, re-energise that bid. But hopefully, from what we're doing, we will be able to help and raise the profile and visibility. It's so important we get to new broadcast markets. It's so important that more people see the tournament. That's really, if you take the long-term view, not just the right here, right now, you know, maybe a 20-year view. Um, that, that's how I think International Rugby League can be successful. Uh, and we, we want to play our part. And we want nothing more than 25 to be bigger and better than 21. Of course, of course we do. It's good to hear someone in Rugby League administration talking about long-term plans, JD. I think our listeners would love hearing that. But thanks for answering all of our questions. Can you let the listeners know uh, when international packages will be available and where they can start looking for those? Yeah, so we're speaking on Monday the 31st of August. We go on sale tomorrow, Tuesday the 1st of September. Everything on rlwc2021.com. So that's international fan travel and corporate hospitality. And then people will see the ramp up towards the 21st of September which will be pre-sale. So if people do want to buy in the pre-sale, they have to sign up again via the website uh, and then yep. we go to ballots and so on. So across all the usual social media channels, uh, Michael and the website. And, uh, and we're really keen. We, we engage as much as we can do across social and, and want to hear people. We won't get everything right, but we're certainly going to give it uh, a real good go. Excellent. And we'll share those in the show notes and of course across our socials as well. But John, you've been fantastic as always. And if I can share with you as well, the job you're doing and your team is doing is incredible. Uh, There's two things that I get asked a lot by our listeners. And one was, will the World Cup go ahead next year? And I think you've answered that as best as you could today. 
But the other thing that people constantly reach out and tell me, and I don't know if people are telling you, so I want to I wanna pass it on, is they tell me what a great job you and your team are doing and how excited they are because of it. So I just want to say a big congratulations on behalf of all the listeners of Chasing Kangaroos. And, mate, hopefully we, we speak again. There's over a year to go. I'm sure we'll speak again between now and, uh, and the 2021 Rugby League World Cup. That's, thanks, Michael. That's a very kind word. We'll keep uh, working hard, keep uh, receiving feedback, and it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you as ever. Thanks, mate.